let's go to Romans in chapter 1. Romans and chapter 1. Brother Jonathan will come up this time and lead us in responsive reading. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. And uh, let's read together in the Word of God. Morning, everyone. Well, chilly day, but last night it's still January. Give me a second to get there. Romans 1 First, I thank you, my God, through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. And without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Make a request by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. And I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to make me make it established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now, do not be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes my purpose to come unto you, but was glad to do that I might have the spirit among me also, and even among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. I sure am thankful for how the gospel changes lives, aren't you, Brother John? Amen. And uh, just a few years ago, without Christ, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord saved you and brought you to this place. It is exciting to see the gospel at work at Calvary Baptist Church. I believe God is at work and wants to encourage our hearts. We have a friend that uh, reached out to us this morning and said, You know what? I am praying for you this morning, and I believe that God is going to pour out the Spirit. I believe God is going to encourage the church, and I believe that God is going to help the church to move forward. I believe God is going to meet with you today in a special way. And then we get to church, and uh, God said to visitors, amen. Actually, thank you for joining us. Don, thank you for joining us today. It's a blessing to have people come, new faces in the house of God, and uh, worshiping together as we study around the Word of God. And I believe that God wants to do great things, even in these difficult times. Uh, I encourage you. You say, Pastor, how do we stay encouraged? Just, just listen to less and less of the news, all right? Um, uh, less and less of the news. Uh, that thing is really, really, really disgusting, all right? And uh, we can't worry about the news. We've got to continue as Christians, if you know Christ, to follow Christ and to live by faith in these difficult times. This morning, if you notice around you in the room, on the wall right here, I have a picture. And uh, there's pictures all around on the walls. And the gospel is written out, Matthew 28, right there. You notice a gentleman over here on this far corner from Africa. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then it says right here on the next card, Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you on the back with the Chinese lady there, and I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Uh, I believe these photos, we got them several years ago, great permissions conference, but my friend, that's the purpose that we're here as a church together and to reach souls and all nationalities and people. You see represented many nationalities on the wall. And to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on the back, we have missions, missions uh, wall there. Support these missionaries around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we have one of our missionaries just recently started a church, the Harmon family, and God is blessing them. They have a drug addictions ministry. And I believe God is using them in great ways. And I am proud of them for being in the field only two years, less than two years, and starting a whole new ministry, working with people, uh, heroin, and all these types of addictions. And a few months ago, I had somebody, Christian, saved for about 30 years. They, they told me, said, I didn't know people over in Tanzania had drugs. I 
his friend, have we been living under a rock? No, it's all around the world. People have needs all around the world. And we, as people of faith, need to realize we have a burden, and I have a burden to reach souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our text, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Look, if you're going to seek to please God, you cannot please men. You must please God. And there comes a time we have to realize, you know what, I may offend somebody by pleasing God, but I'd rather to please God than to please men. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord will be saved. In our text, the apostle describes the household of faith. And this morning, I'd like you to join with me in this study as we see the household of faith. We welcome each of you who are watching my live stream. Good group watching in my live stream today. We God bless each of you in your homes. Please feel free to send us a message afterwards. And let us know how we can pray for you in your needs. Believers who are full of God's Spirit are also full of faith. And in our text, they were full of faith. God's plan for his church is a glorious plan. He wants his church to be the powerhouse of faith. The powerhouse of faith. But will we be honest? Often, my friend, it becomes the opposite. Uh, we see generations that we have lost for Christ. And if we'll be honest, those of us in the room who maybe are uh, in our 60s and 70s, would you be honest, we've lost two generations. We've lost two generations. Two generations are missing. Two generations are missing in most churches, and we have failed to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we ought to have a burden and a passion. Lord, help me to demonstrate the faith of the gospel in such a way that people will want my faith. Have you asked yourself this question? Why do the children not want the faith of their fathers? Why? You say, well, it's because they just, they're just rebellious. No, I think part of it is that sometimes we don't seem to understand the heart of the child. Uh, there wasn't many men here. <laughs> we don't seem to understand the heart of the child. I submit to you they're looking for genuine faith. They don't want a form of godliness that lacks the power of the Almighty God. From my meditation on the Word and prayer, I firmly believe the primary focus of preaching is about bringing changed lives by the Word of God. Changed into His image from glory to glory. But let's be honest, sometimes not much change happens. Sometimes not much change happens. Uh, God's Word hasn't changed, but we have changed. Our culture has changed. And we need to quickly realize that unless we change our attitude toward the lost around us, we're not going to be able to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must change our attitude. I heard an amen and I got the faith one right there. we got to change our attitude towards the culture around us. Uh, we got to stop being all hung up on every little detail of the culture. And this next generation is not going to come to know our Christ unless we get focused on Christ and get seeking Jesus and say, Lord, how would you help me to reach those around me with the gospel of Jesus Christ? If the purpose of the church is just to make us feel better, then we're in deep trouble. People often tell me, they say, Patrick, I felt so good after coming to church. Look, I'm glad you feel good. And I want you to, to feel good. I want you to be thriving in your walk with God. But we want to be convicted as well. And uh, my friend, if you get convicted, thank God that he spoke to your heart. Because if we resist the conviction, soon he'll stop to speak. And then we'll become like the generation we see around us. A generation of professing believers that do not want to even go to the house of God. If the purpose of the church is just to make us feel better, we're in deep trouble. The church should not be dead and lifeless. Every person in the room must choose to submit to God and resist the devil. Every person must choose to walk in the Spirit. The church is just about doing the same thing we have done for 30 years in the same way without reaching souls, then we have a serious heart problem. And in Romans in chapter 8, in chapter 1, in verse 8, Paul said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Calvary Baptist Church, is your faith spoken of throughout all of Granville? Do people want your faith? Do people want the, the faith that you have in Christ? Or do people shun the faith? You say, well, the world's rejected Christ. Yes, but there are souls that are seeking after Jesus, and there are people around us that are searching for answers and yesterday, God sent us 29 men to our men's breakfast, 
And my friend, you say, how did that happen? Some people got serious with God. And invited their friends. And there wasn't a man from our church that didn't invite a friend. And all of us had a visitor in church. Amen. And uh, it was great. And uh, I tell you, I, Christian spoke yesterday. He brought seven of his co-workers. And I said to him, after the guys, I said, you know what? You got a good testimony at work. If you bring seven of your co-workers and they all show up to hear you preach. You must have a good life at work. You must be honest. You must be trustworthy. You must have a good testimony. And my friends, we ought to have a good testimony so that people will want to come and hear about our Jesus. Purpose of this meeting is to meet with God. Purpose of this meeting is to meet with God. In John chapter 12, in verse 20, we read, here it says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see your tradition." Sir, we would see your style. No, sir, we would see Jesus. And we've got our eyes off Jesus, and we wonder why people don't want our faith. Hmm. Certain Greeks, people of a different culture, came to worship at the feast in Jerusalem. They came to worship the Lord God, Jehovah, and they came with one intent purpose. They said, Philip, would you show us? Would you show us Jesus? We want to see Jesus. And I submit to you today, people are still looking for the same thing. They're looking for a Jesus that's alive and that is real and that changes life. They're looking for Christians that thrive, don't just exist. They're looking for Christians that live in a different way than the world around them. They're distinct and different. And they're also compassionate and have the joy of the Lord. Not just our, amen? If you and I don't meet with God during our worship service, then when will we meet with I, I submit to you, I've been to a lot of church services where I did not meet with God. Would you just be honest today, if you've been to a church service at once, one time in your life, in the last 5, 10, 15, and you say, I went to one service, and the truth of the matter, I'll just be honest, I didn't meet with God. If that happened, would you say, amen? It did. Well, what are we going to do to change it? Our heart needs to change. Lord, Help me to have one goal. I want to meet with Jesus today. I want to meet with him in his word. It helps if we'll study him in the word on our own. Uh, the household of faith is to be a contagious spot. A place where our focus is on Jesus Christ who died for our sins. The place where we come and surrender our will. And once again take up our cross and daily follow Jesus. What did Jesus say? That unless we take up our cross and follow him, we cannot be his disciple. And my friend, there's not many cross bearers in this life. Not many willing to take up the cross and follow Jesus. Why do people not want our faith? See, when we hit a brick wall with people, we must learn why they are that way. If we're going to win them. Why are they that way? The art is not to win the fight, it's to win the heart. Too often we've been taught how to win the fight. We're good at arguing, we're good at defending, but we do not have a little relationship and God help us because we've lost generations by not knowing how to build a relationship. People around us need Jesus. And they need to know that Jesus is real. They need to know that we can care and we can relate to them and reach them with the hope of the gospel. You have been placed by here, here by God to win the hearts of others to Jesus Christ. You and I have been placed here by God to reach the hearts of others with Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that means that God wants us to reach our kids and our grandkids, a life of discipleship. It, it, it ought to burden you if you have loved ones that do not know Jesus, and you ought to seek to try to build relationships with them and not focus on the differences that they have. You say, well, they're in this lifestyle, I don't agree with it. I had a great conversation with a young man. He was telling me about all of his friends. And he said, you know what? He said, I got friends and they're involved in gay lifestyle. They're going to involved in this type of sin. They're involved, he said, they're involved in all these things. He said, and I, I, I don't have a problem with that. And I said, you know what, my friend? Pride is sin. Gossip is sin. Lying is sin. Uh, not worshiping God with the spirit of truth, not seeking after God is sin. It's all sin. 
So, what we do is we exalt one sin over the other. We say, these people are living in sin, but I'm not living in sin, but I gossip. I, I, I have a bitter spirit. I, I have a stubborn attitude. But no, no, I'm not living in sin like those people who become a Pharisee. And then we wonder why people don't want our faith. May God help us. Because in this text, Paul speaks of these believers. He says these believers in the church, uh, they had a, a spirit that was different. First of all, I thank my God for Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, the gospel of his Son, and without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Paul had an attitude and a heart toward these believers, and he realized that they were full of faith. You'll see the whole text speaks to this. Because somebody knows you, they ought to want to know your Jesus. Are people drawn to your Jesus? We don't need to make Jesus more attractive. Look, the, the mega church movement has made a huge mistake. Trying to make Jesus look more attractive, dumb down the gospel. Look, I realize the lost do not want to hear a long sermon. So I preach about 50 minutes every week, and then see people still come back. I say, well, I guess they wanted to come back here to the preaching, because that's the main thing that happens here, all right? And the preaching and teaching the Word of God, and uh, we keep the focus on the gospel. The make sure made a huge mistake by making a focus on entertaining the crowd instead of teaching people to love and worship God. And what happens when people are just there for the entertainment, they fall away. But when people are there to worship God, when we have a heart that says, you know, I want to worship God, we'll keep coming. We don't need to make Jesus more attractive. We need to stop making him unattractive. What do you think about that? We need to stop making Jesus unattractive. Why is it that people are turned off and we can't talk to people at all? We can't build a relationship. Maybe we need the help of God. Say, Lord, give me a compassion to reach people the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want people to know that I care about them. A lot of people we know who don't want our Jesus have run from the faith because we made Jesus look repulsive to them. Let's just be honest. And, and friend, in my life, sometimes I've made Jesus look repulsive by my attitude, by my spirit. And I've had to ask the Lord to forgive me for that and if you're a Christian here today, the best thing you do today might be say, Lord, would you forgive me for making Jesus unattractive, for having an attitude that just displeases the Almighty? And I've quenched the Spirit. Now, I'm so focused on the externals. And, and if Jesus was to come here right now, man, he'd, he'd really straighten things out. Amen? Uh, Jesus looks repulsive to them. Why? Because Jesus was altogether lovely. He was full of grace and truth. This morning, as we examine this text, I want you to go with it with me if you would, and let's look at these aspects of this church. First, we see of this church, the book of Romans, we see in verse 8, their life of faith. Their life of faith. The Bible says that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Look, a church that is growing is going to be growing in transition, moving forward, moving forward. And you see a church that's never going through any transitions, my friend. It's not moving forward. And uh, there was a church not too far from here, back in the 1800s. And uh, you guys enjoy this, don't you? I like this book right here. I like the song, all right? But that church, they sang lines, all right? They didn't like four-part harmony. The preacher had been there for 30 years. But the people in the church got offended because he wanted to use a songbook just like this. With four part harmony. And they got so offended and so part on the soul of the flesh, they voted the brother out of the church because he wanted to use a hymn. Alright, y'all can laugh. <laughs> that type of an attitude, we have nothing wrong with this. We, we like this. But you see, there used to be a time period when people had a problem with even having a piano in the church. And uh, you read in the Bible, they didn't have pianos to say, well, we shouldn't have them. Alright? Uh, look. Uh, over the years, people have got so focused on things other than the faith and got so distracted. Friend, we must learn the culture around us if we're going to reach them with Christ. We have to believe that God will use us to and prepare our heart. 
Learning our culture is not the same as changing with the culture. All right? I, people get scared when you talk about that. Learning the culture is not the same as changing with the culture. Learning to relate to your culture is vitally important. We have missionaries all around the world that have learned how to relate to the culture in which God has placed them. And friend, you think about it like this. Krispy Kreme donuts, I enjoy those. Krispy Kreme donuts are absolutely delicious. But if you eat a Krispy Kreme donut, it's got so much grease and so much oozy uh, icing all over it, that thing gets all over your hands. You can't eat a Krispy Kreme donut without having to go wash your hands afterwards. And it ought to be the same way with our faith. That people can't get around us without some faith sticking to them. Man, there's, there's a life that is thriving with the life of Jesus Christ. There's a difference. There's a joy. The head's up. The head's not down. There's a spirit that's moving forward, not backward. There's a spirit that's not judging. A spirit that is uh, seeking to follow the just one. It ought to be impossible for somebody to walk past our life without sensing that our Jesus is real and alive and his glory is oozing out of us. He says their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. Martin Luther said the following statement. Uh, oh, it didn't go. Okay. Martin Luther said the following statement. The true living faith, which the Holy Spirit instills in the heart, simply cannot be idle. The true he says, and living faith, which the Holy Spirit instills in the heart, simply cannot be idle. Faith in God makes great optimists. And if you have this book, uh, this devotional book that we gave out to you at the beginning of the year, I hope you've been reading it. The devotional today was tremendous, tremendous devotional on the life of uh, Adoniram Judson. And if you look in that book, you were reading this morning of his life and and uh, when you read of Adoniram Judson, and you read of how God used him, I, I did a little more study on him. And even over in Burma, Adoniram Judson, this is not included in your book, this is extra. He was lying in a foul jail with 32 pounds of chains on his ankles. His feet were bound to a bamboo pole, and a fellow prisoner said, Dr. Judson, what about the prospect of the conversion of the heathen? And with, with a sneer in his face. And the instant reply of Dr. Judson was, the prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. The prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. Are you living by faith? Are you living by faith? This has been just tremendous devotionals the last few days. I hope you've been getting in here reading. Uh, we try to find good quality devotional material for you to encourage you in your walk with God. This week has just been tremendous the last few days. John Wesley and Amy Carmichael, John Bunyan and George Whitfield. We read about them on the 28th. And I want to give you this excerpt because it's just a great, great thing. Now, carefully consider each question below. Examine your spiritual growth and ask the Holy Spirit to convict you in areas that need to be changed. Ask yourself the following questions. Am I faithfully spending time in God's Word and in prayer? Do I smile and have a kind word for people regardless of how I feel physically? And, uh, brother, that one right there would transform a church. Amen? I, I'm going to smile and have a good attitude. People say, Pastor, why are you so happy? It ain't because I always feel good, all right? Uh, it isn't because the, the kid didn't drop the juice on the way out the door this morning, okay? I mean, things happen in life, okay? Uh, but you need to have the joy of the Lord no matter what happens. That's what the Christian has. Through the Spirit is joy. Question, do I tell the truth? Do I ask the Lord for wisdom, knowledge, patience, and long-suffering? to handle the problems and circumstances of each day? Do I have anything, book, tool, or money, in my possession that is not rightly belonging to me? And while we're reading that, what did God say, though? What is the Lord's? Help me out. What did he say? No, what is the Lord's? Mine is the Lord's. And so that belongs to God. Uh, do I get easily offended? Is it the reputation or character of another person safe in my hands? Is the jealousy in my heart causing problems with other people? Do I have secret sins that I make excuses for? Before you live another day, before facing your daily routines, determine to make today different. Examine your Christian life, mature in your spiritual walk, and ask the Holy Spirit for strength to help you to change, to become more like Jesus Christ. That is a great devotional. And my friend, we try to give you good quality material to read and to help you in your walk with God. I hope you're enjoying it. 
uh, it is a tremendous tool. The Bible says in Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 6, if you'll join me over there, Hebrews 11, verse 6, it speaks to this subject of faith. Hebrews 11 is such a tremendous passage on faith. And in Hebrews 11, in verse 6, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, God says, it's impossible to please him. The more we know of God, the more unreservedly we will trust him. The greater our progress in theology, the simpler and more childlike will be our faith. Dr. J.T. Alton said, I want you to think about that truth. Jesus said, if your faith, you have faith, as of the faith of a, what did he say? Grain of mustard seed. And also he said that we are to have, uh, we are to come to him like what? Little children. Little children trust. Little children have faith. Little children believe. They, they believe you're going to protect them. And right now my daughters are super worried about the wolfies. The wolfies. <laughs> and uh, we, they just think wolfies are everywhere. And uh, we got ready last night. My wife and I were getting them ready for bed and and uh, she accidentally, maybe the night before, she accidentally joked with Gwenny about a wolfie being in the room. And my daughter got so terrorized that she said, Mommy, Mommy! And she had to be held, all right? And, uh, and we convinced them that there's no wolfies, right? Lucy, are there any wolfies? No. No, there's no wolfies, right? No wolfies. But no wolfies. But see, they easily think there are wolfies, okay? They're easily. Uh, as a child, afraid. But you know what? When mommy or daddy pulled them, they say, hey, mommy and daddy, this morning Lucy woke up, daddy, there's a wolfie, daddy, there's a wolfie, and would you please come hold my hand? And so, uh, I'm going to hold her hand, and she feels so much better. She trusts that we're going to protect her from the wolfies, the invisible wolfies. We tell her the wolfies are out in the woods. Uh, but still, they seem to think they're in the bedroom. And uh, life of faith, they, children trust so easily. They depend so easily. Where is your childlike faith, my friend? The greater our progress in theology, the more simpler and more childlike our faith will be. How childlike is your faith? Are you just willing to say, you know what? I trust God that if I do right, please God, God will do the increase, all right? God will bring the increase. Uh, how encouraging it was for me. Last time we had a men's breakfast, three guys showed up. Yesterday, 29 showed up. I mean... That's encouraging. You know, a lot of people invited seven or eight friends and brought them to church. My friend, we have got to trust God and believe God through faith if we're going to move forward. Their life of faith. Next we see in our text, their life of prayer. Paul had a life of prayer. In verse uh, 9, he said, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. And my friend, this is not just flare prayers. This is intercession. This is a life of fasting and prayer. He says in verse 10, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Paul had a life of prayer. I thank God for people of prayer, people of faith. And uh, several folks have told me in recent days, I felt God impressing on me to come to church today. I wonder where that came from. The Bible says that if we will pray and ask anything in His name, He will do it. My friend, if you want God to work, we need to live a life of prayer. Uh, this week, I want to challenge you in this area and uh, this might make you nervous, all right? I'm inviting you to join me in fasting and prayer. You say, oh, do I have to? No, there's nothing on the part that says you have to sign up for that, okay? Um, but uh, I want to invite you to join in fasting and prayer. And uh, the church will only go forward through the power of God. I'm going to invite you to join me on Tuesday and Wednesday in fasting and prayer. You say, what does that mean if I fast and pray? Well, 
Some folks in our church that got saved recently, they do something called fasting from TV. All right? And uh, many times they'll tell me, hey, Pastor, this week I just fasted from TV. I didn't watch TV. Hmm. It's a fast. Going away from. Uh, fasting is really separating ourselves from food. And you say, what should I do? You should drink a lot of water, have some juice if you need it. And say, you know what, I'm going to fast. Now, you might have healthy or you can't fast, okay? But I've seen many churches that believe God and say, you know what, I'm going to get on my knees and see God. You say, what should I pray about? Look, don't pray for all the other people. Pray first, say, Lord, would you change me? Lord, would you help me? Lord, I just want to draw nearer to you. It's been a long time since I felt the presence of God in my life. It's been a long time since I had the joy of the Spirit. And like David said in Psalms 51, restore unto me the joy of thy Spirit. Restore unto me the joy of thy Spirit. Just say, what will happen if I pray? I believe God will meet with you. The power is accessed through prayer. Church is only going to go forward through the power of God. Isaiah 64, verse 1 says, O thou, thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth, that the, and the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. My friend, there's a lot of churches right now that have been very afraid of the government this year, right? If you're on my way in today, somebody shared with me about some new legislation, and I'm not surprised. You say, Pastor, that's so scary. They're trying to legislate the church out. And they are. You saw what they did to the president. I mean, they, they, have, they have no end to which they will go. But, if you look in the text in Isaiah 64, verse 1, and I encourage you to meditate on this verse this week. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, and that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might, he says, flow at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil. Think about that. To make thy name known, he says, to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. My friend, God is greater than any world leader. Right? There are some world leaders that are rising up against God right now. And God has it in his book of remembrances. He knows what's happening right now. And if the people of God will get on their knees and seek God, he says he'll send down his power. And the, Isaiah the prophet was asking God to send his power in such a way that the nations would, he says, tremble at thy presence. That the nations would be afraid of the very presence of God. You say, why do they want to extinguish the church? Because, my friend, the church is what holds true society together. The church is what teaches on the value and the importance of relationships in the family and biblical relationships in society. And the Word of God deals with all of these things. And my friend, the Word of God has hope. So the nations, God wants to cause them to tremble at the presence of God. You think the nation of America can tremble at the presence of God? Do you believe that God is great enough and He could send His power in such a way to our nation that the nation's leaders would tremble at the presence of God? Do you believe that? I was very weak. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. amen. Well, then why don't we get on our knees and seek God? I'm inviting you this week to join in prayer. And I'm inviting you also this week to a special service at 6.30 on Wednesday. And I want to do one thing. We're not going to live stream this Wednesday night. We're just going to pray. You say, Pastor, I feel really nervous when I pray. Then I encourage you to sit quietly and pray on your own. If you're not comfortable praying with somebody else. But just... You just meet with God. You just take, come in with your Bible, and we're gonna, I'll, I'll begin to lead you with a, a brief passage, about two or three minutes, uh, maybe five minutes tops, and we're going to go right to prayer. So if you're serious about meeting with God and you want to pray, I encourage you to gather together. We call it prayer meeting, but I've been in a lot of churches where not much praying happens. A lot of talk, talking happens. <laughs> Let's share all our prayer requests, tell a story, uh, but sometimes we don't really get to pray. And so if you're serious about praying, you want to come this Wednesday, we're going to switch it up. I usually do a Bible study. We've talked to the five love languages. We've talked about how we ought to have relationships with one another that are biblical, loving, kind, thoughtful. Uh, but to this Wednesday night, we're going to come together and we're going to pray. 
So if you're serious about prayer and you want to join for prayer and you have the night off, I encourage you to join. Uh, to join, and if you can't, uh, I encourage you to think about uh, just just praying at, at, throughout the week in your home. We see here their life of prayer, uh, the life of prayer that Paul had. But also we see their love for the gospel. This is my favorite part. Paul spoke about, in verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am, what did he say? What does the word say in your text in verse 15? I am, what does he say? Ready. That's a beautiful thing right there. Ready. Are you ready to share your faith? Are you ready to tell somebody else about Jesus? Many Christians have come to me over the years and said, you know what, don't ever ask me to lead somebody to Christ because I can't do it. Ooh. Ooh. But I'm a Christian. I can't. I don't, I don't want to share my faith. I don't want to go and buy somebody. I don't want to talk to somebody about the gospel. I'm not comfortable with it. My friend, Paul said, I am ready to, what's he say next? Preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. The first thing anybody knows about us ought to be that we love Jesus Christ and that we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And that ought to be the focus of our conversation, period. The focus of our conversation. Uh, we ought to spend our time with people defending the very faith that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Too often, we spend our time defending other things that are simply our preferences. And my friend, if we would seek God, I believe our faith would be worth sharing. You and I talk about what we love. Is your faith worth sharing? Who is in heaven right now because of your faith? I want you to think about that. Who is in heaven because of your faith? Now don't. If you haven't let somebody Christ, don't say you're feeling guilty. My friend, also don't spend your life judging those who reach others for Christ. Alright? Uh, if you have not led somebody to Christ in 20 years, if you've been saved for a long time, you should not spend your life judging those who are winning souls to Christ. There's a lot of Christians that sit in judgment, like Pharisees. And they judge those who win others to Christ by whatever they do. And my friend, we ought to instead say, Lord, help me. Lord, I have to win somebody to Christ. I want to be a witness. I want to be a light. I want to live by faith, and I want to have love for the gospel. I want to make a difference in this generation. I want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. This morning, I heard this week about a family, and, and I wanted to share this with you. This family right here. I believe a picture is worth a thousand words. The Shaver family on their way to Iceland. This family, God began to burden them in 2018 to go to the country of Iceland to be missionaries. They left their home, they left their, their family, and they began to travel to raise support as missionaries. When Nadia was expecting their fifth child, she was near the end of her pregnancy. She was diagnosed with extremely fast-growing breast cancer. The baby came early. Nadia had struggled, struggled for months. Chemotherapy, in and out of the hospital, months in the hospital. And just this past week, she went home to be with Jesus. Leaving behind her husband and her five children. Preparing their lives to serve Jesus Christ. And she died. And you say, why would God allow that to happen? Maybe to impact others' lives. And the fact that there are souls that need Jesus. And I thank God for a family that's willing to go. You say, what are they going to do now? The Lord will take care of him. Encourage him. His wife, very young, but passed away early, leaving behind his precious my friend, you might think your trials in life are big. Your situations are big. I thank God for those who love the gospel, give themselves for the gospel. And those who give their last breath, seeking to go to reach others for Jesus Christ. I believe it would be appropriate. I will pause right now. And I want us to remember this family in prayer. Nate, Nadia, Shaver, would you join me in prayer? I want to 
ask the Lord to pour out His Spirit upon them. Father, we thank you for Brother Nate and his family. Lord, they look like such a picture-perfect family, Lord, and just preparing to go serve you. Father, they're going through a deep time of suffering right now, and Brother Nathan grieving the loss of his wife, and those little children grieving the loss of their mother. I pray that you would pour out your spirit and you would encourage them and you would help them. Comfort them. Lord, help us have the same passion that they have. To seek, to win others, to Jesus Christ. Lord, our days are numbered. I pray that you would help us to have a life cares about winning souls to Jesus Christ more than our own personal preferences. Lord, bless this family. Pour out your spirit upon them. Encourage them pray that you would help Brother Nathan to continue to fulfill the calling you place on his life, provide for their family, and you provide for these medical expenses they have. Watch over them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We would like to contribute to them. If you're a member here, you give our church a contribute. Give me afterwards about it. I think it would be appropriate that we send something to try to help them give out thousands of dollars in medical expenses as they seek to prepare to share the gospel. When we think of sharing the gospel with people, my friend, people who focus on the gospel bring souls to Christ. People who focus on the gospel bring souls to Christ. Uh, you say, I want to reach people for Jesus, then focus on the gospel. Focus on caring about others. Uh, it's, it's a rare month that goes by that my wife doesn't make something that we go and take to somebody that doesn't know Christ. And you ought to, you ought to have a compassion that says, you know what, I'm going to go care about other people. We're going to go reach out to other people. We're going to go show the love of Jesus to other people. The love for the gospel. I don't know if you've been around much in this area down to Albany, but near the Albany Airport, have any of you seen the Shaker dwelling, the Shaker place there? Have you been there? Raise your hand. None of you, except for my wife. Look at y'all. Okay, this week, you ought to go on a field trip, and you ought to see the place, all right? Uh, but they probably closed because of COVID, like everything else, all right? And uh, the Shaker site. Now, these people had a unique form of worship, and uh, the Shakers had some sort of a dancing they did. They also believed in the celibate lifestyle, so... Uh, if you were to join the Shakers and you were married, you had to separate from your wife. She would live in one house with the girls, and you would live over here with the guys. And there was a men's home and a ladies' home, and the Shakers would come and worship. It was a very strange, strange thing. You ought to, you ought to read about it a little bit. Because these type of people, okay, they claim to be people of faith, but they got into, they got into some very unique uh, a unique situation uh, because they were celibate. And you know what? They died off. They died off. And you know how many shakers there are still alive today? That's my knowledge. Only two. Two shakers. They all died off. My friends, they ignored some simple truths of the Bible. The Bible does not teach that people should live as a society in a celibate life. Otherwise, there would be no children. And they died off because they had a dead faith. Are you part of the household of faith this morning? Not just an observer, but a soul that seeks after God alone. Not the seeker of the praise of men. Not focused on the traditions of the elders, but focused on Christ. I love the thing about Jesus. When he came in, man, he upset the Pharisees. He made them mad. Because they said, Jesus, you don't do everything exactly the same way. Your disciples don't wash their hands the right way. Jesus, you have all these things you don't do. And the Pharisees didn't care about the lost around them. They simply cared about, cared about their traditions. It's high time as believers that we recognize Jesus is the owner of the church. And as members, we have no business telling Jesus how to run his church. It's our responsibility to submit to God and resist the devil. My daughters have memorized this verse just this week. They started in 
James 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. I tell you, God wants us to live our life submitted to Christ, resisting the devil. Needs win souls to Christ. Look at it. Unless we drastically change the way that we live as people, we're never going to see this church filled with the believers around us. We're never going to see people run to Christ unless we drastically change the way in which we witness, the way in which we seek to reach out to souls. We ought to have a heart. Lord, help me to care about the gospel. As much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. You say, how do I get ready? That's really scary. And look, it is scary. I remember the first few times I witnessed with my mom, and uh, church had door-to-door witnessing, we went out. I remember how scary it was. And look, a lot of times I don't know the answers, and uh, I remember inviting people, and my friends, if you believe God, you trust God, God will send people. God will send people. The art of witnessing is to win the heart, not to win the fight. The art of witnessing is to win the heart, not to win the fight. People who focus on the gospel bring souls to Christ. So how do we become a witness? Well, I encourage you just to jot these references down this week as you're thinking about spending time in prayer. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Uh, the Bible teaches very clear in verse 5, we're to love the Lord our God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love, then love our neighbors ourselves. And then he says, these things we are to meditate on, we're to teach them to our children. And he goes through the whole passage and says, look, you saturate yourself with the word of God, you will transform uh, those around you with the word of God. The word of God will be a tr- the transforming agent. Let God's word enter, apply it, and share it. I also encourage you in Psalms 1, as we studied it a few weeks ago, to bless these threats. Why was the man in Psalms chapter 1 blessed? What was his blessing? Can anybody help me? You were here, heard the message. What did the man in Psalm chapter 1 do that brought about the blessing of God? What did he do? What did he think about? He meditated on the Word. He saturated himself with the Word of God. And if we meditate on the Word of God, God will transform our lives. Memorize and meditate on the Word. You say, that sounds so difficult. Uh, look, we memorize favorite lines off of, if you like a show, movie, like uh, different things people say, we memorize that. We can memorize things if we want to. Matthew chapter 6 tells us where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. I encourage you also, Matthew 6. These passages, Deuteronomy 6, Psalms 1, and Matthew 6, deal with uh, really how we ought to be a witness, how we ought to be a help, how we ought to meditate on the Word of God. You say, how can I run others to Christ? That's how to do it. Saturate our life with the Word of God. How do I memorize? Find something that works for you. Look, there's so many resources on YouTube about how to memorize. There's so many apps on our phones today about how to memorize. Uh, you can find a tool, find something that works for you, and apply it. Use it. Uh, God will help you with it if we will seek to work at memorizing and meditating on the Word of God. As we have looked at this morning, the household of faith. The household of faith has a life of faith. Paul had a life of prayer. And they had a love for the gospel. And I ask you this morning, are those three things true about your life? Childlike faith. Childlike faith. A prayer walk. And then a focus on the gospel. Is your all on the altar today? But we cannot thrive until we're surrendered to his will, to his divine will. Faith without works is dead. Do we really believe God will rebuild the church? Look, I do. And he continues to make it possible. He continues to do the impossible. And look, if we would commit to be faithful in the house of faith, even as faithful Moses, God might begin to do some amazing things in our hearts. I love this quote by George Mueller. Faith does not operate in the realm of the unknown, of the impossible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. George Mueller's the man who had an orphanage, and he got on his knees and prayed, and friends, he didn't have a budget for it. He prayed it in. I mean, the milk cart broke down outside the orphanage, and the guy said, I can't get my cart fixed in time, the milk's going to spill. Uh, could you use it? And George had just been in there praying, or the mule had just been praying for the milk for the kids for breakfast. He saw God answer, answer prayer and provide in the impossible ways. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God, and that which is humanly possible. 
Faith begins where men's power, men's power ends. We don't have human power to do things in ourselves. The power is of God. I challenge you this morning to seek God, to get alone with God. Would you commit this week by the grace of God? Lord, help me to fast and pray. You do it in the church, you say, well, that sounds kind of crazy. Look, I know ask people to do that all the time. If you're interested in doing that, I challenge you to do it Tuesday and Wednesday. And you say, what are we going to do Wednesday night? Let's come. Let's meet and seek God. Let's believe God. Let's ask God to do great, mighty things, which we know not. Living by faith. We sang the song earlier. I encourage you this week, find a copy of that song. You have the words in front of you there. You can take those home with you. But find those. Find maybe a recording of that song. Listen to it throughout the week. Think about it. Ask God, Lord, would you help me to live a life of faith this week? I don't want to be filled with unbelief. I want to trust God to reach souls. I want to trust God to use me. I want to trust God to use the foolishness of preaching to confound those that do not believe. My friends, I believe God's going to do great things. If you believe God's going to do great things, you say amen. As we close in prayer, and that's the wife to come to the piano, let's bow our heads and stand together. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, to take a moment. Would you seek the Lord right there in your seat? Would you seek the Lord as you stand there? Let's bow our heads for prayer and just ask the Lord to meet with us. And, uh, ask the Lord to touch us today, help us to be transformed into His image. And watch my way, live stream, I want to encourage you and remind you tonight at 4 p.m. we have our men's gathering. I want to invite you to join that. Close that live stream at this time. I encourage you to come back and watch again next week. Thank you for joining us today. And those of you here together, together, as the piano begins to play, Let's do business with God. Say, how, how should we meet with God? However God leads you. Uh, however God leads you. If you want to come forward and pray, you're welcome to do that. If you want to pray in your seat, you're welcome to do that. You just meet with God. And you ask God to encourage your heart, challenge you. And uh, my friend, nobody will get around. You just you want to slip on your seat. You want to come forward and pray. You want to pray in your seat. You meet with God. Lord, would you help me? Would you help me to live by faith? Household. Oh, uh-huh.